Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Fathers, glad you're here. This morning we want to hear from our Heavenly Father, the good, good Father, and see what He has to say to us about relationship. We've been in a series started last week called when, when God Thinks of You. Last week we said when God thinks of you, He thinks treasure. You are His treasure. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message online from last week. This morning, as we continue this series, we want to talk about when God thinks of you, he thinks covenant. Now, that may not make you feel all warm and fuzzy, but I want to give us some teaching this morning that I think is really, really important. And I think it'll, what, what my prayer is that it will settle into our hearts and minds in ways that become foundational in the way we think, in the way we understand, the way God thinks about us. Now, when I say when God thinks covenant, let me explain what I mean by that. Some of you may, you may think, well, I, I, I don't know that I'll even like that word. Um, if you understood the way God is thinking and what God is thinking when he says the word covenant, and he, wants a, he has established a covenant with us for us, you'd know how much that means to God. It's not a negative thing at all. It's not, it's not like your neighborhood covenants that restrict you from doing something you might want to do. This is the kind of covenant that God has established that he takes complete responsibility for. When God establishes a covenant with us, he is establishing a non-negotiable way for us to be in and grow in a relationship with him. It's a relationship that leads to blessing. It's something that we simply receive and we walk in it and we learn in it and we grow in it and we just respond to what God is giving us. We respond to the way he's leading, the way he's loving, the way he's giving us instruction, the way he's putting fences around us to keep us safe, the way we do with our children. That's what covenant is all about. God establishes it. It's not negotiable because it's about him, it's for us, and it's so we'll be in a growing relationship with him. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Genesis chapter 12, and we'll get there in a moment. We're going to read where God establishes a covenant with Abraham. And in that covenant he establishes with Abraham, we'll see the, the basic elements, the things that we all need, and we'll correlate those with what, he, what God gives to Abraham in that covenant. Now, while you're turning to Genesis 12, let me give you a little background. The first 11 chapters of the Bible, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, really set up the whole problem. See what God establishes his creation in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 3, we all, if you've read the story or you know the story, you know that Adam and Eve fell to sin and separation from God. They rebelled against God in Genesis 3. And from that moment, it began a dissembling, a, a sort of a, a complete falling apart of marriage. One, it, it created a problem with their relationship with God. And then it created a problem in their marriage. And then it created a problem in their family one of their sons ended up killing the other one. Then society began to fall apart. Nations 
began to be at odds and have strife with one another. Everything fell apart to the point where God says, you know, I'm going to start all over. And he sent the flood. You remember the story of Noah, where Noah built the ark. And God says, I'm going to start all over. So in Genesis chapter 12, God starts all over. He reached out to Abraham. Abram at the time was his name, living in, a, in another land. And here's what God says to Abram. Now, it's in Genesis 12. Let me, let me first tell you what to be watching for in this covenant. The four basic needs of every human being are found in this covenant. God knows what we need. He created us, didn't he? And all 7.3 plus billion people on the planet need those four things. We all need acceptance. We need to know we're accepted by God, and we need acceptance from one another, don't we? And we all need security. We all want security. The, the source of most fear is, are these four things, by the way. If you have fear in your life, you can attach that fear to one of these four things, or maybe all of them. You may have a challenge with feeling secure in your environments. You may not know whether or not you've been accepted. So security is huge for us. We all need identity. So often in the culture we live in, people are looking for identity in things or in jobs or in bank accounts or in some status symbol. When God has given us the identity we need, we are in Him. That's who we are. So we all need identity and we all need purpose. We need to know why we're here. We need to know that it just wasn't a random thing, that we're not just here for no reason, that God has a purpose for us. And in that covenant, in Genesis chapter 12, and in all the covenants that God establishes with his people, he covers these four basic things. We'll watch for blessing, place, name, and community in this covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country. Now notice he's going to lead Abram out of his country, away from his family, and away from his people so he can establish a new family. This is the birth of the nation of Israel. He's going to establish his own family. This is the first family. Not the one in the White House. This is the first family. Okay, This is the first one God's going to establish and call his own. And we'll talk why, about why that's important in a minute. So he says, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Notice he goes backwards there. These are the things you're going to have to lead, leave to establish a new family. To the land which I will show you, which by the way is Israel. He led Abraham, Abram from where he was, to the land of Israel. That was the land God always planned for his people to have. Later, a few generations after this happens, Abram's descendants end up in Egypt and they they stay there for 400 years where God finally sends Moses to lead them out of the land of Egypt and back to this land, to this nation, to this place. I'll make you a great nation, he says in verse 2. And now here's the, here's the covenant. I'll make you a great nation. That's a people. I will bless you. I will make your name great. That's identity. And you will be a blessing. This will be your purpose. You'll be a blessing and I will bless you and those who bless you, I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, here's your purpose, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's very important that we fulfill and live out the purpose God has for us, isn't it? So Israel is born in this moment. God's first family is born here. 
is established and begun here, and he is going to provide everything they need. We need to remember that God's promise over and over and over and over in Scripture is that he is going to provide for us, he is going to protect us, and his power is going to be with us. His promises, he promises that over and over and over again. Why? Because he wants us to experience that so we can experience his covenant relationship. He doesn't want us to be focused on trying to provide for ourselves. He doesn't want us to be focused on trying to protect ourselves or try to empower ourselves. He wants us to be focused on relationship with him. He says, I'm going to take care of everything you need. Just stay focused on me. And that's what he promises. That's why covenant relationship is so important. Now, here's what God desires in covenant. Follow along in your outline that you were given as you came in so that you can fill those out. God desires in covenant, number one, he wants peace in the family of God. God wants peace in his family. Anybody here agree with that? We all want peace in our family, right? One of the reasons that people don't necessarily sometimes enjoy going to holiday with family or family reunions or gatherings is because there's not peace. We want peace in relationships in the families that we have to, be, to spend time with. God wants peace in his family. He wanted peace in the original family that God established, the family of Israel, the nation of Israel. And he wants peace and prosperity for them. And he wants that because he has an unstoppable, insatiable love. He loves his children. He loves you. He loves me. He wants us to experience his love and for us to be able to pass that love back and forth to one another. And in that love and in that kind of covenant relationship, we get to experience peace and prosperity. Psalm 122 says, pray for these things. Psalm 122 verse 6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What's it saying? Pray for the peace in God's family. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I now say, may peace be within you. Why don't we just say in our own heart and mind right now, God, God, I'm going to receive your peace. I'm going to receive the peace that you have for me. I'm going to receive the plan you have for me. I want to receive, God, this covenant relationship that you want to have with me. I'm going to receive it. This is why the word shalom became, became and still is a very uh, well-known uh, and, and, and famous word in the, in the Hebrew language. You know, the word shalom, a lot of people think it means peace. Well, that's only a very small part of what the word shalom means. If I say shalom to you, what I'm saying to you is my prayer for you, my desire to you, my wish for you is that everything will be as it's supposed to be is that God's covenant blessing, his favor, his, his provision, his protection, everything God intends for you will come to pass and it will be as it should be. It's quite a greeting, isn't it? Isn't that what we all want? That's what God wants. God wants peace in his family. He wants peace in our lives. He wants shalom for us. That's his desire. That's why, that's one of the reasons he has a covenant relationship with us and he takes all the responsibility for it. 
because he wants peace. Secondly, God's his second desire for God in, in, our, in this covenant relationship is that he's going to make us his priority. He's, he's going to make the priority of his family first. Now, let me pause for a second and explain something to you in this teaching. It's important for us this morning to remember that God is telling us and showing us what he wants in his family, but by doing that, he's giving us an example. Fathers, mothers, he's giving us an example for the way we should lead our families. He's saying, watch what I do, listen to what I say, receive what I have for you, and live that way. Live that way. Live by the example that I show you. So number two, priority is family first. Your priority needs to be that your family is first. Now, this doesn't mean that Israel, God's chosen people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, that it doesn't mean it's his only priority. It doesn't mean it's his only desire or the only thing that's important to him. That's where sometimes it gets confusing. This doesn't at all mean that. But God is saying, I'm going to establish a family. I'm going to show you what it looks like, and I'm going to bless that family. And through my family, remember what he said to, to Abram? He said, through you, all people will be blessed. Through you, everyone will know who I am. Through you, everyone will experience the extension of the covenant relationship I have with you. That'll be amazing when that happens. That's why God says, this is, this is, I'm going to show you the way, how this looks and what it looks like. Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. First things must be first. You want to say that with me? First things must be first. That's why God tells us, put him first. That's why the very first commandment is, make certain God is your only God. Don't have any other gods before him. That's why he tells us, when I provide for you financial resources so that you can pay your bills and buy food and keep a roof over your head, when I provide for you, and God does provide for us, doesn't he? We all, we all agree with that, right? It's God's provision that we experience, that we receive. When he provides for us, he says, return to me the tenth, the first tenth, the very first tenth, return that to me. It'll remind you that I am to be first. He, it's just, it's the same, it's a principle. It's the same truth that he tells us over and over and over again. He says, when you give me what's first, the rest is blessed. It's what God tells us in his word. If you want the rest of it to be blessed, give him what's first. Not just in your finances, but in your time and in your abilities and everything. Make first things first. In Acts chapter 3, verse 25, Luke writes, It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. See, God is, again, he's showing us an example. 
God isn't going to make it. He's going to establish a family. He's going to put them first. And then through that family, every other family on earth will be blessed. In Matthew chapter, this, this is why Jesus did what, what he did. Matthew 15, turn there, Matthew 15, 24. Jesus was sent to God's family first. Why? Because Jesus is God's son and he wants to redeem his family to himself. And when he redeems his family to himself, every, his promise will be true. Every other person on the planet will be blessed. Jesus is asked by a Greek woman, will you come and help us? And he's, he gives her an answer that unless you understand what, what's going on and why God's doing what he's doing, it may sound like he's trying to be exclusive or the, that he just doesn't care about this woman. But that's not what's going on at all. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, he says, this is what Jesus answered when he was asked the question by this woman. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you just pull that verse out of context, you might think that that's the only people God cares about. But it's not at all. Jesus is saying, no, I'm sent to redeem God's family. I'm sent to them first so that when they receive me, when they are redeemed, when they are restored, the same promise God gave to Abraham will come true. All other people on the planet will be blessed. God places his people, the people of Israel, in a very strategic place. The land of Israel was very strategically located. People from all over the planet traveled through there in that time frame. They were to be an influence to everybody else on the planet. Everyone else was supposed to ask God's family, the Israelites, why is it that you're so small and so weak and so insignificant, but yet you're so incredibly blessed? And they were supposed to say, well, I'm glad you asked. It's because God has established us and he's blessed us and he provides for us, he protects us, and his power sustains us. Unfortunately, that wasn't necessarily always their answer. So they forgot God after they got to the promised land. But this is the pattern in the life of Jesus. It was the pattern in the life of Paul. Paul travels throughout missionary journeys as a shaliach. If I could practice my Hebrew because it clears my throat. <clears throat> you want to say that with me? Shaliach. Yeah, very good. Very good. Now wipe your mouth. Um, Shaliach is uh, three things. These are traveling missionaries that lived in Paul's day that, were, that had three, three purposes. They, they were to teach the Scripture, make proselytes, or in other words, teach people about the kingdom of God so they would come and follow Jesus. As Christians, at least, they were proselytes. And number three, raise money for the poor. Paul was constantly going around raising money. Paul was a first century rabbi, which means he doesn't get paid for what he does. As he goes and raises money for the poor, he sends every shekel, every penny, every single dollar to the poor. He works other jobs. He makes tents. He does what he needs to do to work bivocationally and travel at the same time so that the message of the gospel will go forth and people are taken care of. But as he does that, everywhere he goes, he goes to the Jewish people first. Matthew, or Acts chapter 13, verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and, there, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This is one of Paul's missionary journeys. When they reached Salamis, 
they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their helper. It's talking about John Mark. I, I enjoyed doing this study, thinking about the trip that Kathy and I and a few of you and others uh, had an opportunity to take last May, a year ago, where we went to Perga. We went to uh, Pisidian Antioch. In fact, in Pisidian Antioch, uh, the, the synagogue is still standing. The walls are still there. The outline is all still there, which is very unusual. Roof is no longer there, but we were actually able to be in the synagogue where Paul did this teaching, where he went to the Jews first. He was always going to God's family first, and then the message would spread to the Gentiles in the surrounding region. At one point, Paul begins to become so frustrated with the fact that sometimes the Jews not only don't respond to his message, but sometimes they decide to stone him or beat him or run him out of town. He finally gets, he gets so frustrated at one point, he says, you know what, I'm going to go to the Gentiles from now on. But he continues still, as he travels, he still goes to the Jews. Why? Because first things are first. You got to go to the first family first. And many of them did come to follow Jesus. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why am I making such a big deal out of it? As I said, dads, moms, as we receive from God what we have received from him, this covenant relationship, listen carefully, God wants peace and prosperity for you, but if you, you will only experience this in this non-negotiable relationship if we'll do it God's way. God knows what's best. His ways are higher than our ways. And I don't know how many times I listen to someone say, yeah, I know that's what God's word says. But, yeah, you've been talking to the same people? There is no but. There is no but. Like I told you one time, a mentor of mine was talking to a guy, and the guy said, you know, I just don't, um, you know, he was saying, he was telling this friend of mine, actually, he said, you need to go home and you need to love your wife. He said, but I don't love her anymore. He said, well, you, you need to go home and love your wife. He said, but I don't love her anymore. And George looked at him and said, you need to get your butt out of the way and go home and love your wife. God establishes this for a reason. It's for our good, the same way we do with our own children. First things are first. And so here's the order of priority that God establishes for us. He tells it to us. He shows it to us. And he tells us, if we will live this way in this covenant relationship with him, we'll experience the peace, the prosperity, the blessing, the identity, the, the purpose will experience everything he wants for us and we'll be able to pass it on to others. So you have the list. I gave it to you. I think it's in your notes, isn't it? Number one is relationship with God. That's got to be our first priority, friends. There can be no second. There can be no close second to a relationship with God. The secondly, if you're married... 
is a relationship in marriage. Nothing should compete with our relationship with God, and as we're established in relationship with God, nothing should compete with our relationship in our marriage. Thirdly, relationship with our children, our immediate family. Fourth, our relationship with extended family. Fifth, relationship with friends, and then keep going. I don't, I don't want to take time to give you the, next, the rest of the list. The order of the rest of the list doesn't matter all that much. Notice work's not on the list. There's a lot of things that are not on the list. But friends, this is biblical and this is what covenant relationship looks like. And if your life looks some way, some other way, if your life is different than this, I, I already know something about you. I already know you are not experiencing the peace and prosperity God wants for you. And I already know you are not experiencing the kind of blessing, identity, purpose, security. I know that about you because if you don't live this way, you don't get to experience covenant relationship with God and the blessing and the all that he has for you. This is what God wants for you. It's not what he wants from you. It's about what he wants for you. God wants peace and prosperity. God wants us to put him first. And he shows us what our priority system needs to look like. And thirdly, God's desire is for us to experience his purpose and plan. The purpose and plan of God in the, in the, in the midst of this covenant relationship with God. See, God rescued his people out of Egypt and brought them back to the promised land. And on the way back to the promised land, he gave them a list of rules to follow. The first list of rules were the Ten Commandments. And then there were other rules, rules about dietary laws and how to be in relationship and how to do business and all kinds of rules. Why did God do that? It's a covenant relationship that God establishes and he gives us boundaries and fences to keep us safe, to keep us healthy. Ten Commandments, great example. First four commandments, how to be in a relationship with God, and how to stay in a growing relationship with God. Put Him first. Take time to be with Him. Don't talk in ways that dishonor Him. It's all about your relationship with God and how to have a healthy, growing relationship with God. Next six commandments in the ten are how to have a healthy, growing relationship with one another. It's not like it's a bunch of rules to follow that once you step out of line, God's ready to smack you. That is not who God is. That's not his intention. That is not his desire. That's why he gave us, many of us, the ability to have children so that we could understand how he feels toward us. We give our children rules to keep them safe, don't we? We don't give them rules to make them miserable. Right? <laughs> right? God's law protects us and relationship with him and with others. And his love keeps us motivated to stay in that growing relationship. So 
as God reached out to his own family through Jesus Christ. This is another reason that God establishes his own family. He knows that we're going to reject him, so he establishes a family where he can send his own son to his family first, which Jesus did. But they rejected Jesus. Many of them, not all of them, many of them rejected Jesus. So what does that mean? God's just going to reject them? No. Praise God, that's not what it means. Romans chapter 11, verse 1 says, Paul writing again to the Romans says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. God's covenant promise began with his original family through Abraham, and it now extends to us through Jesus. Remember, through Jesus we have identity. Through Jesus we have blessing. Through Jesus we have a people. Through Jesus we have a place to belong. Through Jesus in the the new covenant in his blood, we have the promise, the prosperity, the blessing, the priority of God. And if we live in that relationship and pass it on, the whole world will know that kind of blessing. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. We need to know who we are and why we do what we do. I was uh, got just, I think it was just yesterday, I got a text from uh, from Heidi Perez. Uh, Heidi and Jason were here at nine o'clock and Remember uh, last fall, many of us, two or three hundred of us, went out and did take it to the streets on one Sunday morning. We, we didn't have church that Sunday. We, we met here, had some worship time. And then we went into the community, Chestnut Ridge, and we went to across the street and several local uh, close-by uh, communities. And we asked people if they wanted to donate non-perishable food items to the local food bank. And we also asked the question, is there anything you'd like for us to pray about? And we had several stories come back from that experience, but one of those stories was really pretty amazing. There, uh, in fact, I think it was Heidi and the group she was with stopped at some of their neighbor's house in a house right across the street, and it was a young Pakistani couple, and I want to read you the text, if I can uh, find it again here quickly, uh, that Heidi sent to us. This uh, young couple from Pakistan, a Muslim couple, it says... Uh, They have no family here. Their closest relatives are in Canada. They spent 18 years trying for a baby. And the prayer request they had that morning, last fall, early fall, late summer, early fall, the prayer request of the team that went to their house that day was, we've been trying to have a baby now for 18 years. And we'd like for you to pray for that need. They spent 18 years praying for a baby, and now they have precious little Sa'ad. They came to Jason and Heidi's house not too long ago with the baby, and Jason and Heidi hadn't seen her for a while. She had a difficult pregnancy, was confined to bed rest most of the time, but they wanted to come and introduce the answer to prayer after 18 years. Um, at this last visit 
they gave this young couple a the Jesus storybook so they could begin to tell their young baby about who Jesus is and perhaps they will find out themselves. I'm sharing this story because they asked us to share this with you. You see the impact that a covenant relationship with God and when people are living and walking in that kind of relationship and the way it gets extended and God's power works and his provision is real and his protection is there and everybody gets blessed. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Now this young couple's asking lots of questions. Maybe this faith that they've had all these years has more, there's, there's a lot more to the story and they're asking those questions. And that's the way this works, friends. Um, people say to me all the time, and I, I'm going to share this carefully because I, don't, I want you to understand my heart here. They say to me all the time, Pastor Dennis, you and Kathy are so incredibly blessed. Your marriage is healthy and strong. Your kids are amazing. They're raising their children of their own now. And so the question often gets asked, um, why are you so blessed? And the initial response for me usually is, you know, I don't know. But I quickly follow that up with the realization that, you know, God wants to bless us. His promise is that he wants to bless us. And when we're faithful, and when we honor God, and when we devote our lives to him, we receive his devotion to us. And all I can tell you is Kathy and I have experienced receiving God's blessing and provision and protection and just incredible, amazing grace now for nearly 34 years of our married life together. And I've had people ask me at times, why is God so, and I've, I have literally, I'm, I've, I've reached an age now where I, where I am coaching and mentoring other pastors and church planters and regularly. This week, Tuesday, coaching a guy in Washington, D.C., asks me the question, why has God, why do you think God has blessed Eastside the way he has? Some of you may not know the story. You don't, maybe you don't know that God provided the land we're sitting on. God provided the building we're sitting in. God has provided a way for us to give away two or $300,000 a year for the last several years, every year to people who are, to, to other ministries that we partner with here locally and around the globe. Maybe you don't realize how much we've been blessed. So I had that question asked again this week. And I said, you know, we've learned to be generous. We've learned to try to honor God and what he does. And we're just trying to learn better to receive and scatter, to receive and scatter. I told our story to a group of pastors in Dallas two or three months ago, and uh, a guy by the name of Aeneas Williams, who's now launching a new church in the St. Louis area, um, in, the, in the Ferguson, Missouri area, actually, to be specific. Uh, that name may be familiar if you're a football fan. Aeneas is a, a Hall of Fame inducted football player, he used to play for the Cardinals and the Rams. He comes up to me 
after I shared our story, and he goes, Pastor, share that story. He's a big guy. He just walks up to me, rubs up against my shoulder. He goes, share that sto- story again, and maybe some of that will rub off on me. I'm like, Aeneas, I hope some of what you got rubs off on me. Because he's this big, hulking, good-looking football player. And I'm thinking, I'll give you some of what I got. You give me some of what you got. But we're all getting what we got from God. God has blessed us in amazing ways. Because that's what he wants to do in a covenant relationship where he takes all the responsibility and he simply asks us to receive what he has and follow him in faith and faithfulness. doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be problem-free. It doesn't mean it won't be difficult at times. It does mean you will be blessed. It does mean you will have a purpose. It does mean you will be safe. It does mean you will have a name. You will have an identity. It does mean you will have what matters when you receive it from your heavenly Father. You'll have everything you need. And he's promised he will always be with us. I was sharing earlier about what I learned, how I learned to experience this personally. I'd done a lot of study, and I knew intellectually what to do, but I wasn't doing it. Even after I started this church, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't living this way, the way I'm talking about this morning. That's why this is so important to me. This may seem academic to you. This may seem like I'm just teaching a concept to you. It's more than that, friends. This is life. What I'm teaching you is truth about life, and if we'll live it, you'll experience amazing blessing with God. And I started this church. I wasn't living this way. Because I had to, I'll just admit to you, I'll confess to you, that when I started Eastside Community Church nearly 23 years ago, I was only 15 at the time. (laughs) Not really. I wanted to just, grow a big, you know, church. I want to be successful. I want to have all this stuff. And a couple years in, I was experiencing some challenges personally. I had some stuff I had never dealt with before. I needed to deal with that stuff. And I was always also experiencing uh, some just some leadership challenges, significant leadership challenges. And God put several mentors in my life that began to keep me between the ditches. I wouldn't be in ministry today if it weren't for these men, these godly men who understood covenant relationship with God. One of them is Marvin Martin. This is 20, 21 years ago. Marvin was only 70. He was just a young guy. Marvin's still mentoring me. He'll be here Saturday morning telling about his experience in flying a B-29 in World War II. Be your Saturday morning. If you want to listen to Marvin, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Marvin began to share with me. He said, Dennis, have I ever talked to you about the principle of scattering? I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And he was watching me and seeing my life and seeing my motives and ambition and all the stuff. And he knew I knew the right thing to do. I just wasn't doing it. So he began to share with me this principle of scattering that God has all throughout his word. If you, if you read it, you'll see it all throughout God's word. Where God scatters. God is the original sower. He sows and he reaps. He said, so here's why I'm telling you this. He said, our human tendency, now listen carefully, because here's where covenant relationship goes wrong. We get it wrong when we do this. Human tendency, he said, is for, is for us to want to, we wanna, all want to gather and control, don't we? Don't we? We all want to gather and control. We want to gather more money and control it. We want to gather people. We even want to gather our family and control them. We want to gather relationships. We want to gather accolades. We want to gather stuff. We want to gather, gather, gather and control so we can have our own little kingdom. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to trust God, that God is going to provide, that God is going to protect, and God is going to empower us. And so if we'll do what God does and live the way God says, it will go well with us. He said, scatter. I went through a complete paradigm shift in my thinking, in my heart, my mind, and in the ministry that I was leading. And we began from that point forward to give away everything we could give away. We give away time. We give away money. We give, we have, I don't know if you know this, we have three churches meeting here now. We have two church plants meeting on, one on Saturday night, one on Sunday night. Because they need a place. They can't afford a space. So you're giving it to them. We're trying to scatter and give away everything we can give away. Why? Because we're one church we're one people. We're the children of God. He's our Father, and He's going to take care of us. And that's why we do what we do. That's who we are. I mean, why do we gather in control? We're not going to take it with us. You never saw a U-Haul behind a hearse, did you? All we can do is scatter. And multiply. And God keeps enabling us to do that in bigger and more amazing ways. And that's what covenant relationship looks like. And that's why this is so important, friends. That's what God thinks of when he thinks of you. He thinks covenant. And he looks at you and he says, my desire is that you would say yes to covenant relationship with the God of the universe. Will you? Will you say yes? Will you receive what he has for you? Will you live the way he wants you to live? Will you scatter instead of try to gather and control? Let me ask you, while the worship team comes and prepares to lead us, I don't know what your needs are or what ways and steps and decisions you're needing to make, but I do know this. 
maybe that everybody in the room has a need of some kind here this morning. So let me ask you, if you this morning, I'm going to ask you to be very bold and very courageous. If you this morning are here and you have a need for God to be in a covenant relationship with you and you have a need for him to provide for you in some way, to heal your body, to, to provide for you financially, to help you to help lead you in healing and restoring and, re- and reconciling a relationship. If you have a need for God to open a door for you, if you have a need of any kind, I want you to stand up right where you are. Just stand right where you are right now. Just stand up. Praise God. God sees your step, your act of faith, your desire, your prayer in the standing. So now let me pray a prayer on our behalf. And then the worship team is going to lead us in another song. And I want to invite you, if you want someone to pray with you, if you want to extend this prayer time and do all that needs to happen with, between you and God. I want to invite you to come to the altars and pray. Father, thank you for these moments we've had here together this morning. And thank you that you desire, way more than we do, to have a covenant relationship with us that is strong and vi- vital and vibrant and growing and full of your blessing. And Father, for every person standing this morning, I pray you'll pour out your blessing on them now. Your provision, Lord, for healing. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you'll heal bodies. For provision, for financial provision. In the name of Jesus, I pray you'll provide. Lord, open doors that need to be opened and close doors that need to be closed and where there are relationships that need your healing and touch and love and grace and reconciliation and resolution. Lord, give us the peace that we need and the truth and the courage and the wisdom to, to walk into those conversations and ask for forgiveness and seek reconciliation and resolution to the problem. Lord, we can't thank you enough for what you're doing and what you've done already and that you continue to tell us to come to you and ask for what we need. So today, we're coming, each one of us. And we want to receive from you covenant relationship provision, peace. To live out the purpose you have for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen.